Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property, also like Barnabas. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now make sure you hear these next things that he says because you want to make sure you understand what's going on here. Didn't the land belong to you before it was sold? In other words, he's saying no one in the church told you you had to sell this land. No one directed you and said, you must sell this land, this land must be sold, and we command you to sell. That wasn't what was going on. He says, the land was yours. It belonged to you before you sold it. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? It was still your money. You sold, it was your land. You sold the land, and the money was at your disposal. You could now do with it as you saw fit. Um, so this wasn't the church saying, give us this much money, or you must do this, or you must do the other thing. Um, of course, they encouraged generosity, and people were doing this, but it wasn't that kind of thing. They still, there was freedom. They still had the, the land um, as their self. They sold it. They made the money, and then the money could, they could do what they want. But then he says, but a sin has taken place. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So when he brought the money to the apostles, who were the pastors of the church, the 12 apostles, the church in Jerusalem, when he brought the money to the pastors and said, I sold this piece of property, this is the money I received, and I want to give it all to God. I want to donate it all to God. I want to give this whole property to God because I want the, the needy to be taken care of. I want the people in the church who are struggling to be taken care of. It's at that point when he was lying to the apostles, when he's putting the money at their feet, that he was lying to God. He was lying to the Holy Spirit. He was lying to a God who was working through the apostles, and, uh, and, and they were his representatives, the leaders of the church. Um, in, in Christ's place, in God's place, um, filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're lying, and so he lied to the, to the Holy Spirit um, when he did this. So it wasn't the fact that he, it wasn't the fact that, um, that he didn't give enough. It was the fact that he lied and said, I'm giving all of this. Maybe there was even at some point in there a promise, like he, he made a big announcement, like I'm going to sell a property and I'm going to go get the money and see what I get and then I'm going to bring it and give it to the church. And then he went out and did that and he came back and said, here it is, here's the money that I sold the property and, I, and I'm giving it to the church. And he was, you know, claiming something that wasn't true. When Ananias heard this, when he heard from Peter's mouth, the apostle Peter's mouth, you have not lied to men but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. And that may seem very strange to us, but in their culture, they buried bodies very, very quickly. It was something that you, you dealt with right away, um, something that they believed in and taken care of. 
fairly quickly. Um, so that was Ananias. But Sapphira, where is she? Where is she? What has she been doing? She's been gone. She hasn't been there when all this has been taking place. If you remember back at the beginning, it said he did this with his wife, Sapphira. She was involved in all of this. He, it, verse 2 says, with his wife's full knowledge. So about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? In other words, this has already been announced. She already knows it's been announced and made clear. This is what's been proclaimed. This is what has been said, that this much has been given from this land that Ananias and Sapphira have sold. So Peter's saying, is this true? Is it true what your husband said? This is what he said. This is what he proclaimed. Is it true? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you agree with your husband to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in, and finding her dead, they carried her out, and they buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Um, by lying to the apostles, as I said, he, he and she had both lied to the Holy Spirit, lied to God. Notice the Holy Spirit and God are interchangeable. Holy Spirit is considered to be God. They, they, don't, they don't differentiate between the two. Um, and so what is this? What, what, this isn't telling us that if we did the same thing, if we made the same, if we sinned in the same way that Ananias sinned, we're going to fall down dead. It's not telling us that God's going to do this kind of thing regularly. And, and I mean, God can do what he, God wants to do. God can make his point how he wants to make his point. But uh, certainly hypocrites and people deceiving the church or lying to the church have not typically fallen down dead uh, in, in church history. But, so God is making a very clear point here. Um, he's making a clear point about, about things, not that this is what's always going to happen or, you put your, or you're always putting your life in danger that very moment. Um, but there is, still, there is something still being said here about life and death. Um, and, and I'm going to put it this way. You can't simply join a church, attend a service, uh, put yourself into the mix, and sort of simulate the faith and the love. You can't insert yourself into church and sort of uh, and try to blend in and just try to fit in and try to just do what other people are doing and try to, you know, I like this group. I like these people. I want to be a part of this. Barnabas really, people really admire Barnabas for what he did. I'd like to get admired like that. I'd like to be a big wig in this church. This is a rich person. So he, he and she had been rich outside of the church. Now they'd like to be big wigs inside of the church, you know, and I'm a, I want to uh, show you what I can do uh, and show you the, the great things that I can do too. But clearly, this is hypocrisy for them. It is, it's fake. It's not, it's not real for them. It is not something that they have really bought into. They, haven't really, they don't really know uh, true faith and, and true love. Um, and so they're sort of in the church. They're part of the group. Um, and notice in the early chapters of Acts, we're getting a lot of stories about the, the, the how wonderful the church is and what's wonderful, but then we begin to see persecution for the first time, and now we begin to see hypocrisy for the first time. Um, and it's going to stay in the church, you know, for the rest of its history. There will always be hypocrisy in the church, um, but it's still something that is a life-and-death matter. 
is, is, what I'm, is what we need to take away from this. True faith, that it's authentic, that you're not just in the church, part of the church, uh, mingling and mixing, uh, you know, sort of trying to make yourself fit in, trying to look like everybody else trying to simulate the faith and the love. It has to be real for you, too. It's sort of like the idea. With, I remember there was a stage when I was growing up in my family, the Keynes family. My dad's a minister. I've um, uh, been in church all my life, and I remember there was a day when I realized, I got, this has to be true for me. This has to be true for me. It can't just be something that I'm doing with, with everybody. It can't be just something that I'm just mingling, and I'm in a church, and I'm in a Christian family, and my dad's a pastor. No, this has to be real. This has to be. And for apparently for Ananias and Sapphira, there was a fakery going on here, hypocrisy, a play acting. Hypocrisy meaning like play acting, pretending to be what you are not. And they're pretending to have faith, pretending to have love, so that they're willing to, they're, they know they have to give some money to simulate this kind of generosity, but they're willing to lie in order to come across as a Christian, as someone who's obedient and serving God and helping the poor. They're willing to lie about it, to tell a a lie about it in order for people to think things about them that aren't true. And so they go to that level. But what we need to take away is that true faith is a matter of life and death. I mean, it's not being in that church that's going to make, that uh, is what saves you. It's Jesus that saves you, and it takes real faith and real submission and real obedience and they did not have that. And so it was a message to the church saying, hey, folks, a lot of wonderful things is happening, but this is real. This is life and death. It's you're with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. It's either real faith and real love, and you really believe these things, and you're really banking your life on it, or, it's some, or as soon as you retreat into some kind of faking, where you're willing to tell lies, you're willing to fake this and fake that and pretend like these things are true that aren't then that's not it anymore. It's not authentic. It's not the real thing anymore. And God made that point very clearly there. And, uh, and it wasn't that the apostles, don't think of it as Peter killed her or Peter put a curse on her. It's more, it seems more like what it is is that Peter had you know, revealed to him in a prophetic way what has happened and what God's going to do about it. And so Peter just was sort of speaking the prophecy of what was about to happen, what had happened, the lie, what was going to happen, the death. And he speaks that out. Now, I'm going to use chapter 5 to talk about preaching tonight, and this, this, particular, this particular section um, is, not, is not about preaching, um, but I'm going to move into to, to be talking a little bit more about the preaching of the Word and the rest of the chapter. But I'll tie, I can tie this story into preaching in this way, that um, the, the apostles were the preachers. You know, the apostles were the preachers of this early church, and evidently Ananias and Sapphira were there, part of the group, listening to the preaching, and they weren't really believing nor obeying what Peter and the other apostles were actually preaching. They were preaching to them the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were hearing it. They were part of the group. They were hearing the preaching, but they weren't really responding to the preaching. They were just, for, we don't know what their motivations were, but they were just simulating it, just faking it. It was some kind of hypocrisy. So remember that it's not enough to, to just be sitting there with preaching in your ear or to be in the church service, but you have to listen to your preachers and believe what's being said to you and, uh, and obey what's being said to you. We are actually, it's not just good, it's just not just good advice. It is supposed to be. Preaching is supposed to be uh, someone um, passing on to you the teachings of the apostles, the teachings of the prophets, the teachings of Jesus from the Bible 
uh, to your ears uh, with, with uh, strong exhortation and encouraging you to believe, encouraging you to obey. So the importance of preaching I'm going to talk about tonight, and I just want to tie, tie that story into that before we move on. Um, let's look at verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That's in the temple. It's a really big area where a lot of people could fit in. Um, so all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Um, so the apostles are performing these signs and wonders. Remember, they prayed about that in chapter 4. No one else, verse 13, dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So the people respect them. The people revere them. They see these miraculous signs. They know what these miraculous signs and wonders mean. They mean that these men are from God. They mean that when these men say Jesus is the Messiah, they are 100% right. That, this is, that these men are from God, that they, the miracles they're doing could only come from God. It is God's authentication of them. It is God showing to them that the power that the disciples are preaching about from Jesus is real. They're demonstrating it just in these miracles. The miracles aren't the main point. The miracles are the signs. They are signs of the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God that is being preached to them. And they are realizing um, that uh, th these miracles, uh, that these miracles are tied. To, uh, th these miracles are the signs of the preaching, and so that the preaching is 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 from God. And so this is why, we, as you read on, you begin to see many people were converting. Many people were converting. Although, because of the persecution that's been going on now for a few chapters that we've been seeing, it says no one else dared join them. So those already, I guess there were the Christ many of the Christians who were already deep in committed are there with the apostles. The apostles are teaching them, preaching to them, uh, and no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So that's sort of a mysterious combination. They were afraid to join them in the temple, and yet people are still converting. Like, and so I guess maybe it's saying they were converting, you know, they wouldn't go to them in the temple, but they would convert in another way and then, you know, join in one of the houses, and maybe eventually they'd end up in the temple. But at first, before their conversion, or even in the early stages, they were too nervous or too scared to join the apostles and the believers as the apostles were preaching to them in Solomon's colonnade. Um, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. We've been hearing that refrain over and over again. The church continues to add people. Don't forget all that, by the way, when we sometimes think that the early church was entirely Gentile. Thousands and thousands of these Jews are converting. These are Jews converting over and over. So the church at this point is, is almost exclusively Jewish with a few people probably who were Gentile converts to Judaism as well who had, who had converted. But, um, but these are, uh, you know, this is a Jewish church. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and they laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And presumably this works. It doesn't say whether it worked or not, but presumably this was something that worked. They would get out there and knowing Peter was coming this way and just try to get their loved one in the street right near where they thought, where the sun's shining, Peter's shadow will roll over them as, they roll, as he rolls by. Because they knew this guy is from God. 
whatever he's saying is from God because his power, the power that's coming through him from God and the power that's coming through him from, from this Messiah is like, nothing, is like nothing we've seen except Jesus himself, the Jesus that they, that they knew about from just, you know, very er, just a little bit earlier. Um, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, the sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And all of them were healed. A lot of people are getting healed now um, by the apostles to authenticate the message. Um, and um, once again, I want to stick with this theme of preaching. And how does preaching connect with all of this? Well, <clears throat> as I just said, the miracles, what the miracles are telling us is that these men who are preaching to you, the miracles are the demonstration. Not, they're not just the authentication that they're from God. It's the demonstration. It's the, it's the sign of what God is doing through the Word. The Word is God's, is God's Word uh, coming through these people, a Word that you haven't heard before, a Word about Jesus Christ, a Word about who Jesus is and what He has done and what He is doing and what He wants us to do and how He's going to use us and all of that. And, and the miracles are, are showing that uh, listen to their, is screaming, listen to these people, listen to their preaching. Their preaching has power. The power, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God. This is the power of God. The, the miracles are powerful. The, the miracles are amazing. Um, but they're nothing compared to the power of, of the preached word. When someone hears that word and their life is changed, they're given faith, they're given repentance, they're given new life, they're given all of that because they're hearing words being preached to them, a message uh, given to them uh, through these apostles, these ones chosen by Christ to deliver this message, this preached message. And um, so, so the power of Jesus is coming through these apostles, through, through, through their miracles, even through the shadow of Peter. But more importantly, um, why are they there? They're there to preach. We're going to see that in the rest of the chapter. Their mission is not to do miracles. Their mission is to preach. The miracles is just to uh, show the power of and show the authenticity of, of this preaching that is, is being given. So the power of Jesus comes through the apostles' teachings. And I want you to, and I want you to understand something. Jesus, don't get disconnected from the church. This is the same church. This is us. This is the same church you're a part of. That's not another denomination and you're in the PCA. This is the same church. You're in the same church as them. And Jesus has now given the church preachers, pastors to preach what? The very same words, the very same message. We are still to be preaching, and, we're, and we get it from the Bible, from studying the Bible and praying over the Bible and reading the other preachers who have preached this word and to understand what the Bible is teaching and understand the theology in it and the truth in it and the ethical stuff in it and all of that. And we are, uh, we are we're preaching the very same message. And so um, if the power of it's not that the apostles, when they stood up, they preached something that we just uh, wish that we could know what they No, we know what they said. We know what they were preaching about. We know what it was all about. We have the Bible. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We know what they were preaching. And our preachers, including me, we have to preach the same thing. We've got to preach this word that we, that we have, that we has been passed down to us. And that's our job. To, and, and Jesus, we're told in the Scriptures that Jesus 
picks preachers, gets preachers, and puts them out there to preach, and that's their job, to preach the Word of God, to preach the apostolic Word, the same message Jesus was preaching, the same message the apostles was preaching, and it still has the same power. It still is powerful. It is not because of the preacher. The apostles, it wasn't because of the apostles either. It wasn't Peter's. It wasn't Peter was something so wonderful that a shadow blessed people. It was God using Peter. It was Peter's words when he spoke, when he spoke the truth that had been given to him by Jesus. God used it, and and it was a powerful thing. And so encourage you to seek the power of Jesus from your preachers, me and other, the other preachers that you, that you are listening to. Of course, you have to always, uh, uh, we have to always weigh preachers by, by, the, by the Word of God. Um, that, that's, that's, that's important. But we, um, but we have the Word of God. We have the Scriptures. And Jesus has sent these preachers into the world to, to preach. And, and we have them. We have them. They're all around us. Um, you have one before you now. Seek the power of Jesus from your preacher's messages that he can, um, that, he's con- that he will preach what the apostles preached and give you the message, give you uh, the authentic thing, the thing that has power. Now, it's not enough to listen to a message, right? Back to Ananias and Sapphira. It's not enough to simply, well, I'll listen to this message and see if it does anything to me. No, no, you have to come in to the thing with, with a preacher preaching, and you have to say, I want to hear what the message of God is. I want to hear what the Word of God is because I want to obey the Word of God. I want to believe all the Word of God. I want to obey all the Word of God. I want to be whatever Jesus wants me to be. I want to be whatever the Word of God says I should be. I want to be it all. So preacher, tell me everything you got. Explain this passage to me. Tell me what it says. Tell me what I'm supposed to believe. Tell me what is true. Give me the promises. Give me the word. Give me the directions so that I know how to live my life because I want it all. I want it. I want this preaching because I want the word of God. And then you're going to know the power of God. You come in wanting that, and that's your attitude towards it. Not, hey, preacher, I hope this is a good one. I hope this is one of his good ones. I hope this is, um, I hope that... uh, uh, he, can, he can stir me out of this torpor I'm in. I don't really want to be here, but uh, maybe I'll hear something that's worth. You know, no, no, that can't be. It's got to be, I'm, I want to obey God. I want to walk out of this place. I want to I know better what God has for me. I want to understand God's word better. I want to know all those things. Um, and of course, as I always said, the preacher has to be preaching what Jesus and the apostles actually preached. He can't be preaching his opinions and his thoughts and his... Uh, Side, his side hustles or whatever they are. He's got to be laying out for you what the, what the Word of God says. Let's read on. Verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, we talked about them a few weeks ago, they were filled with jealousy. Why would ministers of God, remember these are supposed to be ministers of God, why would ministers of God be filled with jealousy? Because their ministry is about themselves and not about God if they're filled with jealousy and they see what's happening and this is clearly the work of God and they hate it, clearly their ministry is about, it's not about God, their ministry is about themselves. That's what they care about. That's what they're there for. But they're filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. This is the apostles. I think it's all 12. It doesn't say, but I'm assuming they're all, they're all there. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. 
And what does the angel of the Lord bring them out to do? Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. For the NASB says the whole message of this life, capital L. Or the ESV says, tell them all the words of this life, capital L. Fascinating. Go tell the people the full message of this new life. And at daybreak, they would unlock so you could get in just before that. At daybreak, the first possible moment it was, it was, you were able to do this, daybreak. This was the earliest you could get there. It's unlocked. It's just been unlocked. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. Now, consider just for one moment that God sent an angel to get these men out of prison, and it wasn't because he was sad to see them in prison, and he, and he, and he just wanted them to, to get back to their wife and kids, or it wasn't because he didn't want them to suffer, or it wasn't because, um, you know, he wasn't to make a point about this or a point. It was like, you guys are my preachers. You are my 12 preachers, the one Jesus handpicked. You're my 12 preachers. They've got you all in jail, and, and God is not going to let his 12 preachers stay in jail. And he says, I'm letting you out, and I want you to get back out there and preach. Preach, 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 preach. It's all about the preaching. Your life is about preaching. When you get put in prison, I'm letting you out, not just so you can see your family, although that's wonderful, not just so you can have a better night's sleep, although that's nice. I'm, I'm letting you out so you, I'm sending you, I'm getting you out and sending you so you can preach. Now get out there and preach. Preach this life. Preach all the words of this life. And he calls the message this life. I love that. This life. Because um, this in Jesus, there is a life, a new life, salvation, eternal life, the life of knowing God, the life of living God's way, the life of the grace of the Holy Spirit working within you, everything that we know that we're taught in the New Testament. He says, get out there and tell them. There's so many in Jerusalem who still haven't heard so much of it, so tell them all the words. Tell them the whole message of this life. Tell them the whole counsel of God. Tell them everything that they don't know yet. Keep talking about it. Keep preaching it. Keep laying it out there. Keep, and, and, and keep giving them this, these words. We're getting, an angel's getting them out of prison and sending them out to preach, and they show up at daybreak. It was like they took, they're let out in the middle of the night, and they're, they're wait, and they're like, well, the angel let us out, and he said to get, to get over here and preach. So we're here. As soon as you let us in, we're ready to preach. Opens up, go on in. Okay, no one's here yet, but we're preaching, you know, and we are here to preach, and we're going to preach all day. And that's what it's all about, because that's what God has called us to do. We were called to be preachers. Later, a little bit later in Acts, the apostles are going to say, we were called to preach and pray. We can't neglect that. We can't neglect it even for really important things. That's what God called us to do, to preach and to pray. Um, and, that's, and that's what we're going to do. So um, I'm, I'm saying all this to, to raise up in your mind and your heart. I think it's probably already raised up in most of your minds and hearts, but to raise up in your mind and heart the preaching of the Word, how important it is, how fundamental it is to, um, to Christianity. Um, I'm not saying, I am not, I don't want anybody to hear me, what I'm about to say at all, denigrating what we do alone or what we do with our families. Private worship, 
so important, would never say anything against it. Private Bible reading, so important, would never say anything against it. Um, Private prayer, praying alone, so important, you know, taught in the scriptures, would never say anything against any of those things. So none of what I'm saying has anything against that. That stuff is all very important. Praying by yourself, worshiping by yourself, reading the word by yourself, meditating, all very, very important. But don't ever... uh, don't ever think that that replaces the preaching of the word, the preaching of the word. But the, God uses preachers, and God works through preachers, and I haven't always lived up to that, so don't think I'm bragging on myself. I'm bragging on God and his theology and what he believes about preachers, and it's what I am aspiring to and have not reached yet, and it's what I want to be, and it's where I want to go, and it's what I want you to pray for me to get there. But um, I'm not lifting myself up. I'm lifting up what God wants to do. He wants preachers to preach, and he, wants to, and he wants to give them the word from the Bible, and preaching is important. You need preaching. If somebody uh, try, cuts themselves off from preaching, sometimes you cut off from it. You can't get, you can't get good preaching. But uh, if someone cuts themselves off from preaching, it's, it's, it's damaging to their life. They need that. We need to hear. Even I, let, me, let me put it this way for you. This might help you to think of this. I sometimes discover as I'm studying the Bible, I begin to get into these technical works, these technical works that are explaining the grammar very carefully, explaining the the social conditions, the history, everything, so I can really understand what's going on in this text. And sometimes I'm in that, so, and I love that stuff. I love to, le- re- to read that stuff and learn that stuff. And sometimes I'm so deep into that stuff, and I'm so deep into these sort of technical works that I realize um, I, what, I, what, my, what my heart is crying out for is to hear somebody preach this word or to read somebody preach this word. And so then I pull out a book or I listen to a recording or something because I need somebody to preach this to me because this is a whole different world. Um, your personal meditations on the Bible are rich and deep, and it is very powerful. My personal meditations on the word, apart from all the technical stuff, is, is, very, is very powerful, too, praying over the Bible. But there's something else. There's a, it's a different thing. I'm not saying one's better or, or worse. I'm just saying you need it. You need the preaching of the Word. This is how God works. He works through preachers. It's one of the main ideas of the Reformation, um, that, uh, that we need people standing up preaching to us and explaining to us and expounding to us and exhorting us from God's Word in our language, and we understand exactly what they're saying, and we know what we're supposed to believe, and we know what the Bible says we're supposed to do, and we know what the encouragements in the Bible are, and we know who Jesus is, and we know who God is, and we know what He's doing, and we know what He's going to do, and we keep hearing it week after week after week, after week, after week, and that strengthens a person, grows a person, sanctifies a person, illuminates a person. Um, it's a powerful thing, this preaching of the Word. I love the fact that the angel got them out of there and said, now go preach, <laughs> and tells them to preach. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Tell them the Word. Um, so don't uh, let ourselves get pushed out of shape. I'm sure many of you could give testimony to um, uh, preaching that has, uh, that has helped you and preachers that have helped you greatly in your life and changed your life. Not the preacher, but how God used that preacher and the word that came through him. Um, look at verse 21. Got a little bit more time here. Um, we already read the first sentence of 21, but I'll read it again and then we'll go to the second sentence. 
At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. And when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. And then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles They did not use force. They didn't arrest them or or violently accost them. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. That's how popular that they were with the common people of Jerusalem. And having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you, this happened earlier, we saw it a few weeks ago, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this Name, Jesus, the name of Jesus, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Um, Pause there for one moment. That line sort of catches my attention. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. At this point, the apostles have been teaching so much and so frequently and all over the place, from house to house, we're going to see in a minute, and in the temple courts, preaching and preaching and preaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, that these people are frustrated. He said, you filled up the city with your teaching. Um, but, uh, But be aware that's an amazing thing, and that's a wonderful thing, and a thing to remember back to that early day, how Jerusalem was filled with teaching. But remember, Chattanooga is also filled with the teaching of Jesus Christ. Preacher, Jesus has sent out his preachers in Chattanooga, too. He sent out his preachers in cities all over the world. This, right now, there's very few cities you can go to. Um, the cities and towns everywhere that are filled up with preachers. Uh, the teaching, that the cities are filled up with the teaching of the preachers who are preaching Jesus, and Jesus is continuing to send out. He sent his 12 apostles, they have laid the foundation, and then he sends his pastors and teachers uh, to teach what the apostles taught. They're on their found, from their foundation, the pastors and teachers continue to teach generation after generation after generation, and every city, I, I, I was it's not true that every city is filled up. There are towns, there are cities in many places that are not filled up yet, but, but it has spread so much, and they will continue to spread until the end, right? He will be sending his preachers and teachers to, to preach this word. Um, verse 29, let's read on. Peter and the other, the other apostles replied. They've already said this. They're saying it again. We must obey God rather than men. You told us not to do this, but what is that to us? God told us differently. <laughs> you told us not to teach in this name, in the name of Jesus. That is the very job that God has given us to do, to teach and preach in the name of Jesus and to teach and preach everything that Jesus wants us to communicate, to teach all about him, to teach his truth, to teach his gospel, and to in his way, his life, to pass that on to people everywhere, believers and unbelievers. Strengthen the believers with the word, and then and unbelievers listen in, and they hear it as well, and many of them convert, continuing to convert and come in and to hear more and more of this. Um, uh, 
Let me read on. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, verse 30, from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. Always, that accusation is always put there to remind them you rejected him. You're continuing to reject him, but you rejected him. The Messiah himself who God sent, you rejected. You rejected. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Give repentance and forgiveness. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This is like the short version of the sermon we've already heard several times already in the book of Acts. That's like the condensed, really tight little Reader's Digest version of the, of the longer sermons that we've heard with a lot of the same content, though, without a lot of the same message. The focus on Jesus Christ and what he is accomplishing, the giving of the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, repentance, all of those things that Jesus is working in people. Um, I want, to, I want to, you to, to pause and think once again, since our theme is preaching. We're, I'm almost done here. I think I'm going to wrap up in just a moment. But um, I want you to think about that, uh, how important preaching was to these men important enough to risk their, their life for, important enough for them. When, when, they, when the people in charge say, do not do this anymore, they, they were just like, I'm not going to stop. This is, what, this is what God called us to do. We must obey God. God called us to preach. God commanded us to preach. Preaching was that vital to them and that important to them. And I pray that the Lord would make it uh, that important to me and make it important to all of our preachers that it's life and death, that it is this is what I am born to do, this is what matters more than anything else. Um, uh, death, uh, the r- risking your life or danger from it, is not, um, it does, not, does not defer you at all, does not uh, slow you down, that you, you, cont- you continue to preach. Your passion about preaching, preaching is so important that they would not even consider. They wouldn't even pretend. They wouldn't even be like, well, let us, let's, let us give it some thought. They were just like, no, 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 no. We are not stopping. I just will just be up front with you. In fact, I'm going to preach a message to you right now about Jesus and how he's the Messiah and the Prince and Savior and the only one who can save Israel and the one who's giving forgiveness and repentance and the Holy Spirit, and everyone should obey him. Everyone should obey Jesus. And that means you should obey what I'm preaching to you. You should believe and do all of it, every single bit of it, everything. Believe it, obey it. This is his word. This is the word of God. This is the word of the Messiah. And I'll continue to do it until I die. That was their attitude, the attitude of these preachers, these apostles. Um, and preachers also, these, and the preachers also think about it in this way. The preachers are telling the people, telling the Christians, now that, there's a, now that there's threat coming on the Christians, they're telling them what they must do, which is more important than any authority, other authority. You know, these 12 preachers are going around saying, yes, you're, you're with us now. Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what Jesus has called you to. And they're telling them, this is what you must, this is straight from God. So you must take what I'm telling you as a preacher, you must take what I'm telling you before any other authority. Anybody else tells you differently, sh- reject them. Anybody else tells you to do something else, reject it. 
I don't care who it is. I don't care what, what their level of authority is, what their power is. If anybody tells you anything differently than what I'm telling you, which I got straight from Jesus, the apostles would say, what I got from Jesus, and I'm passing it on to you. If anybody tells you differently, reject it. Disobey them. I don't care what their, their power is, their authority is. Do not listen to them. Do not obey them. What I'm telling you must be believed, must be obeyed. Must be believed, must be obeyed. This is the attitude of the apostles and their preaching. Um, and one other thing I'll mention here from this passage is, if you listen to um, preachers, uh, of course, at the beginning of the Christian life, preachers, listening to preachers is how, it's a person listening to preaching or listening to the Bible read, one of the two, hearing the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to the preaching or, or reading the preaching, whatever it is, however the message is coming to you, straight Bible or, or the preaching of that word, um, it's, it's hearing that, it's receiving that, that is what God uses to work in us, is, is, is what God uses for Jesus to give repentance and forgiveness. You understand that? You're not just walking down the street, you know, in Jerusalem and bam, you know, you just got hit by, you got hit by something hit me, you know, and it's repentance and forgiveness. God just did something in me. No, it's a response to the word. The word of God is coming to you. You are hearing from a preacher or hearing from the Bible, God's word, and, and you, you know your sin you confess it and you're forgiven. You know your sin, you repent of it, and you turn into a new life. So that's the beginning of the Christian life, but it's the same thing for the ongoing Christian life. It is receiving that word of God, continuing that word of God to be flowing into your ears, flowing into your mind and your heart. Um, that, as that word of God is flowing in, that's what works renewal in us. Repentance is an ongoing thing, right? It's not just the first day, it's every day. You continue to change because you, you see new sin and you, you ask for, for, you're forgiven again, and you repent again, and you, and you, you move on in, in obedience. And that, that continual renewal, renewal, renewal comes only through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit working through the Word of God renews us, renews us, renews us, renews us. And preaching is an essential part of that. That's what God, one of the main ways that God um, communicates that, that renewal to His church, refreshes and renews His church again and again and again.